0: Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. We're going to talk about the consumer proposal. And we're going to go through it step by step, really to understand the process from start to finish, because it might be a brand new concept to you. And making a consumer proposal is one of the best ways to consolidate and cut debt. And Blair's going to explain some of the key benefits to consumer proposals, as well as how the process works for any BC consumer. Blair, can you start with explaining what the consumer proposal is and how the debt consolidation works?
1: With pleasure, Elaine. I know we joke sometimes on this show that I really feel like my, my life's purpose is to make people aware of consumer proposals because I believe it's so life-changing to have this type of a solution available, and I had personal experience you know, early on in my professional career where someone came to me for financial advice, and me, having graduated from business school, working at an accounting firm – I had no idea the solution even existed. I didn't give the best possible advice that could have been. Um, so that really compelled me to start to learn about proposals. And I'm so thrilled to be able to share that information with our listeners. So if someone is just tuned in and just doesn't know what a consumer proposal is, well, stay tuned because I think you're going to enjoy what you have to hear. So what a consumer proposal is, it's a legal way to consolidate your debt and actually cut the total that you need to repay to your creditors. So a consumer proposal puts all of your debt together into one interest-free agreement and what you pay back is generally less than the full amount. It's often significantly less than the full amount. Sometimes it's in the range of 20 to 50% of what you owe. So someone might have a completely unmanageable debt burden, huge interest cost every month. They could file a consumer proposal, the int- cost immediately go to zero and then working with the trustee it's a matter of figuring out well what can they afford to reasonably repay given their income given their household family situation uh, really trying to set them up for success and it could be as little as 20 cents on the dollar it could be more than 50 cents on the dollar situation is a little bit different but in general a consumer proposal offers some very significant debt reduction Um, in addition to reducing the debt there are still some other advantages to a proposal so what happens again when you file the proposal the debts are frozen so the whole idea of this moving target every month, you get a statement where there's more interest put on it, you've made payments, but you maybe haven't gotten ahead, You know that game stops completely. The debts are frozen. And what's also frozen is all the creditor harassment. So if anybody is threatening to send you to collections, maybe already taking your wages or threatening to seize assets, all of that comes to an immediate halt immediately when you file a consumer uh, it's a very comprehensive solution. So just about every type of debt can be included and reduced. So everything from a payday loan, to a credit card, to student loans, to taxes, uh, to even pandemic benefits like a SERB overpayment, uh, that can all be included. Um, and you get the assistance of a licensed insolvency trustee through every step of the process. So it's not the case that you need to go and demonstrate to a bank you know, that you're creditworthy and they're going to loan you some money uh, to pay off your debt. It's, no, you need to just work directly with your licensed insolvency trustee. The only qualification is that you've got more debt than you're able to handle and you've got the objective of wanting to move forward uh, and make a reasonable settlement on that debt. Okay. Uh, I'd like to give a quick example, if that's okay, just to help yeah, people do, you know, fill please. in um, some, of, some of the numbers here. I like, think you know, the theory is good, but here's a proposal that we recently filed, and these are real numbers. So it was someone who owed $42,360, I'd call it 43000 uh, and they were struggling with their minimum monthly payments that were over $1,200 a month. Um, they made a consumer proposal, and in their case, we could reduce the debt by 55%. So it was reduced from 42360 down to 18600 Um, their monthly payment to me this is the best part because they were paying twelve hundred dollars a month that was basically a recurring charge it was just going to clear interest their debts weren't really getting paid down every month in the proposal it's $310 per month, and that goes away after 60 months, or if they're able to pay it off sooner, that's great, but this is not the never-never plan. This is you'll pay $310 a month, you'll pay back $18,600 to deal with a $42,360 debt situation. So it's that powerful, it's that life-changing. Imagine if you had a $1,200 payment that went down to $310, you didn't have to go into bankruptcy, you didn't have to surrender any assets, you just had to reach out for help to the right people, like a licensed insolvency trustee. (laughs) Thank you.
0: The <laughs> cat and before you get to the next part about what somebody needs to do to start a consumer proposal, I just want to add um, the website, uh, sands-trustee.com. If you're wanting a bit more explanation uh, and you're thinking, okay, I didn't quite get all of that and you don't want to listen to the uh, the piece again, super easy to do by going to the website because it's just filled with such good questions and really clear, concise answers, easy to understand. It's sands-trustee.com. Or if you're ready to go and you want to make that first step and get an appointment and sit down with somebody 1-800-661-3030 so what do you need to do before you start a consumer proposal uh step by step Blair.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah well the, the first thing so there's generally three steps uh, and the first step is often the hardest one to take because there's a lot of uncertainty and you know, a lot of people think when they start to reach out for debt help that the first thing's going to happen is they're going to be feel judged and looked down upon, Um, but I can absolutely guarantee you at Sands & Associates that's not our approach at all. We treat everybody with dignity, with empathy, and with respect as if it was ourselves or a very close family member experiencing a tough financial situation. So the first thing to do is to connect with a licensed insolvency trustee, and if you need to do a consumer proposal, it's imperative that you understand the only person that can help you is a licensed insolvency trustee. You can't do a proposal by yourself, a credit counselor, debt settlement agent, no not even a lawyer, nobody can do a consumer proposal on your behalf other than a trustee. Um, As anyone who listens to the show will know, it's free to connect with a licensed insolvency trustee. You can sit down for a confidential consultation at any point. Um, And if you're dealing with someone that says, you know, they want some fees, they'll introduce you to the trustee later, they need to refer you, you're not dealing with someone who's being ethical and straightforward. It should never cost you a dollar to sit down with a licensed insolvency trustee. Okay.
0: Okay. The next step, and these are very similar to filing a personal bankruptcy in terms of the actual mm-hmm. process that you're going to go through with the, with the license insolvency trustee.
1: Yeah. So the first step is that consultation that we were discussing. And during that consultation, we're going to look at all of your options. We'll explore whether a consumer proposal is a great option or not. Again, a lot of people that come in, they've just assumed, well, bankruptcy is the only thing available to them. They're kind of hanging their head a little bit. And then as soon as we can explain, well, actually a consumer proposal uh, can help you avoid a bankruptcy. You know, it's upwards of 80, 85% of our clients these days are choosing to file consumer proposals over bankruptcy. But we're going to explore every option during that initial consultation. Once you've had had that initial consultation and we've estimated out what the proposal looks like, uh, the next step, if you want to move forward, is to start to complete an and an application form and to start to send us your financial information. So the information form is available online, It's totally secure, we're going to ask you for some very basic information about debt, income, assets, you know, all pretty common sense things you would think someone would need to know if they're going to try to help you with your debt. And then once you've submitted that application form and the documents, we hold the second meeting to review everything. So we confirm that our estimates were accurate, you know, we estimate your income at 2800 per month, it's 2825 okay, that's within our margin of error, all good. We can, we can proceed with the proposal um, that we had identified, and we also take as much time as necessary to answer all the questions. It's so important to us that we have what's called a no surprises experience, so, you know, we want you to feel confident from the first day that we've explained, you know, what could happen, the most common eventualities, what's likely to happen, so that you don't have the uncertainty that you might have had before you reached out where you're not sure what's going to happen. In a consumer proposal, you should know exactly what's going to happen. So that step two is where we complete, uh, we review your information, then we get the documents ready for signing.
0: And that's where it's really important to know that a licensed insolvency trustee is the only one who's going to be able to um, usher you through this process. Uh, and it's really important, especially as, you, as we work a little bit farther once you get the, the signatures on all the papers.
1: Yeah, so the step three is where we meet to sign the official proposal documents, and as soon as those documents are signed, and the vast majority of times we're doing that online, a uh, completely secure signing solution, uh, once those documents are signed, we immediately file the proposal with the federal government, with Industry Canada, and the Office of the Superintendent of Bankruptcy, and all of those organizations make sure that everything goes according to plan. The proposal, it's enshrined in Canadian law, and those organizations oversee every trustee in Canada, so ourselves at San and associates, we make sure everything we do is in accordance with all the rules and the regulations, but it also lets the creditors know that when they receive a consumer proposal from Sands and Associates, it's legally binding. They have to stop exactly what they're doing at that moment, pens down, no more collection calls, no more interest added. All they can do is decide whether to accept the proposal or not, uh, which in the vast majority of cases, 95% on the first offer, 99% with negotiation, uh, they do vote to accept the consumer proposal
0: and can you just mention not everybody has to accept it but it's based on the majority of the of the, of the uh, creditors
1: Exactly. That's such an important point, Elaine, because a lot of times people come in and say, you know, there's this one creditor that I know they would never accept 20 cents on the dollar no matter what. And sometimes it's the government, for example, and there's a collector that said, hey, you're wasting your time. You think we're going to reduce the debt. What's great with a consumer proposal is its majority rules and its majority by dollar value. So if someone had $25,000 in debt, for example, all I need to say yes to that proposal is half of that debt, $12,500 in this case. If the government, for example, had you know, $10,000 of debt, but the other creditors had voted to accept that proposal, it wouldn't matter what the government had said against the proposal. Not even they can opt out of a consumer proposal. So as soon as we get over that 50% threshold, which as I mentioned, we get that in almost every proposal on the first offer, upwards of 95% of the time, as soon as we have that 50% threshold, the other creditors are legally bound by the terms of the proposal, even if it's completely at odds with what they would want, even if they would say they'd rather just sue you for the money, they're not allowed to do any of those things once the proposal is in force. So it's such a powerful debt solution that no, no, no creditor can opt out of. It's fully legally binding. It gives you the protection and the certainty um, that you need that you can bank on.
0: And as we wind up this segment, Blair, can you talk about what else happens within the consumer proposal and, and how long it takes?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a consumer proposal, it's a very unobtrusive process. So in a consumer proposal, you make the payments each month. Um, the only other main duty that you have to do is you have to attend two financial counseling sessions. And most people see this as a huge benefit. Sometimes part of the biggest value they got was some of the financial counseling. So we talked to you about how to rebuild your credit, how to set up a great household budget, how to build that emergency fund so that you'll be resilient again in the future. So there's two of those financial counseling sessions that you need to attend. Uh, a lot of the other things you will do with Without even thinking about them so you know you want to keep your taxes filed up to date um you know pay any balances owing if they if they accrue um you know stay in touch with your license and solvency trustee if you receive an odd collection call or something make us aware we'll put a stop to it immediately Uh, but for the most part it's making sure money's in your account every month for the payment really focusing on those counseling sessions and then starting to plan for the future knowing that you've solved the problem of the past by doing this proposal you've now made your debts manageable you've eliminated all the interest and you've got a solution that you can believe in
0: yeah, boy, oh boy, the more I learn about consumer proposals, I think they're what what a gift they are to folks that are in serious debt, but still have the ability to uh, pay, pay a portion or or pay a percentage of it off. It's, it's really quite something.
1: Yeah, again, it's what I was so passionate about getting into this profession was I think people need to know that this exists and the people that you owe money to are not going to tell you that. They're not going to say, hey, there's an option that we would have to charge you zero interest and take 30 cents on the dollar. But now, you know, if you've listened to this segment.
0: Yeah, exactly. And licensed insolvency trustee is the way to go. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sanson Associates, helping you get out of debt. This segment's all about debt mistakes not to make, not to make, which is such a good idea. Uh, And Blair's going to share some common mistakes that people often make when dealing with their debt. So we're going to learn some tips uh, for how not to solve your financial problems and steps you can take to help get Money Matters back on track. So first, Blair, is there any general advice you want to share about dealing with debt to get this segment started? Oh, sure,
1: Elaine. You know, there's really, there's no one size fits all solution uh, for getting out of debt, but just the whole idea that being in debt should not be a permanent state. You know, no one should hang around being in debt. It costs money. It often stops us from maximizing our income. It's just a constant drain, even mentally. Um, so the whole objective here is just to say there's always a way out. There's a way to move forward from debt, but there's certainly a few things you can do uh, that are going to make it more difficult to see that way forward or more costly. We're going to try to steer you away from some of the those pitfalls in today's session. Um, So for today, the first thing to talk about is, you know, just don't assume that a debt problem can't happen to you. Um, You know, even some of my advertisements say, you know, money problems can happen to anybody at any time. And it's something that's been proven true in my 12, 13 years of seeing clients directly, uh, it's amazing the different scenarios that can conspire to take somebody uh, from, you know, the highest highs of finances to have, you know, tons of money, tons of equity, tons of disposable income uh, to the point where they're needing our help. And then conversely, see somebody really emerge from an insolvency proceeding, uh, leave the debt behind, and then suddenly achieve more in their life than they were ever able to achieve before, especially being held back from debt. You know what we've learned is under the whole idea that it can happen to anybody is that many of the time, many times, what causes a financial difficulty is not an action that the individual takes, but it's something that just happened to them. Things were going just fine, uh, and then life just threw them a big left turn. Um, something like an illness, an injury, or a health-related problem, whether it's yourself uh, or your own family member, uh, marital or relationship breakdown. So the cost of separating, the cost of re-establishing, uh, perhaps two households could be some legal costs, it can be just very financially catastrophic when a relationship breaks down. Um, Obviously, the classic of job-related and job loss, um, you know, many people unexpectedly, whether it's a restructuring or a downsize, um, you know, they find themselves without a job through no fault of their own. Uh, And then what we're seeing, you know, more and more is just cost of living outpacing income. So as prices go up more and more, you have a family to feed, you need to keep a roof over over everyone's head, Um, you know, sometimes that can just squeeze somebody financially. And as you look, well, there's nothing you could have done. You've maximized your income, your costs have gotten out of line, and you've relied on credit to to fill that gap. Um, So really, we just want people to understand there's a lot of reasons why someone could come to having a debt problem, and nobody should assume that they're immune from it. It could never happen to them.
0: And I think uh, at any given time, you can look in our current situation, whether it be a pandemic or out of control weather situations that put people in peril and like overnight dealing with a catastrophic uh, situation that they did not plan for because it hasn't happened in a hundred years. I mean, yeah. this has been the biggest lesson, I think, that things can happen overnight so quickly. Uh, and we have no control over stopping them from happening. It's just what we do at this point.
1: That's exactly right, Elaine. I think we've all learned, you know, just the fragility of the status quo. Let's not assume that tomorrow is going to resemble yesterday, because sometimes it doesn't, <laughs> as we've seen. Um,
0: yeah. But, you
1: know, what one final point before we move on to another thing, yeah. to, to, uh, another mistake not to make here, is just really don't be focused on your credit report or your credit mm. score as an indicator of your financial health. Um, you would be amazed the number of people that come into my office that have 800 credit scores, 750, 770, uh, but can't borrow another dollar from the bank are incredibly overextended and have spent huge amounts of money just making all their minimum payments to chase a great credit score. So quite often, the credit score is completely divorced from your overall financial health. And the people that are the most financially healthy might have a zero credit score because they're just not using any credit products or paying any interest each month. So definitely don't focus on that indicator.
0: That's a great reminder. I love it when you talk about that. Uh, Really, really important because it's easy to get caught up in it. Are there other uh, sort of inaction mistakes that you can avoid in dealing with debt, Blair?
1: Oh certainly. So, you know, under a big category of financial housekeeping, uh there's a number of things if you don't attend to them and it's the whole idea, you know, a stitch in time saves nine. So just by doing a little bit over time, uh you're not going to end up, you know, being really surprised. Uh, but these things can get away from you if you just let things coast. So, you know, first off, a personal budget check-in. So, are you sticking to your budget? Are you on track to meet any expenses? Are you accumulating savings? Do you even have a budget? That's a really good test. And if you do, you should be checking in on it monthly at least. Uh, personal tax filings. Um, so sometimes someone gets scared to file taxes because they think they owe the government money. That's definitely your worst plan to go. And the further uh, further, more years you get behind, the more likely the government is to start taking drastic actions against you, like freezing bank accounts or seizing assets. Um, even checking in on your credit report. So as I just mentioned, don't be driven by your credit score or by any means, but it is important to make sure that your credit report is accurate, is up to date, that you're not being penalized for maybe someone else's delinquency on your debts, but all the debts that you are paying on time are reflecting accurately. So it's just a good thing to keep on top of. Every Canadian can get a copy of their credit report once per year from each of the credit un- uh, each of the credit bureaus of Equifax and TransUnion. And I would say skip the extra cost of getting your credit score because it's irrelevant. As I said, don't chase it. And every lender calculates their own credit score. So I feel like it's you know a little bit of a bait and switch when everyone advertises online credit score for a fee. But it's nothing that the banks are going to use. They do their own own math anyway. So I definitely recommend mm. skipping that.
0: Excellent. Um, I want to throw in here too, you know, if, if we've already sort of outlined or if Blair sort of already outlined a situation that you're in and you're gulping and thinking, oh, yikes, I need to do something. This is what you need to do. Give Sands & Associates a call 1-800-661-3030 or go to the website sands-trustee.com and book that appointment. You've talked a lot about uh, just making minimum monthly payments as a very clear sign that you need to do something different, I guess.
1: Oh, definitely, Elaine. And again, that's In our last few years of surveys, the number one most reported warning sign was just people finding, hey, I'm just making minimum payments each month. I'm not getting further ahead. So it is getting, you know, the consciousness is out there that minimum payments are designed to keep you in debt, not to help you pay off debt. And it's not always the case that, you know, the big balances are are the biggest problems. You know, even a $1,000 credit card bill um, could take you 10 years to pay off if you only make the the minimum monthly payments at 18%, and you're going to pay almost double that amount that you originally charged. So you can imagine thousand dollars in 10 years from now, I'm still going to be paying it off. Well, if you're only making the minimum payments. Yeah, that that is correct. So a huge warning sign. If all you're able to do is make the minimum payments, your credit score probably looks great. Your budget might be OK. But those balances that might be large and looming, um, they're not getting paid down in any sort of a, of a speedy fashion.
0: I know you've got a really good list of sort of the common debt mistakes that folks make dealing with debt, and as a result, it just makes it far more challenging for them as they go through this.
1: Yeah, the, the one that breaks my heart the most, Elaine, I know we've, we've said it a number of times, but unfortunately, I still do see clients that have done this, uh, is cashing in RRSPs. So cashing in their retirement funds. And sometimes they've gotten advice from the bank. And I'm just going to assume it's someone that wasn't well informed, they didn't have nefarious intent. Sometimes they've gotten no advice from anyone, but just thought they should do it. And what I'm talking about is you've got this retirement fund and RRSP, you decide to pull that money out because you have some debt. Why this is such a bad idea about, idea is first you have that money saved for a reason it's for your retirement and what are you going to do if that money is not there you're just going to be giving yourself more hardship in the future because that money is probably going to be very difficult to replace Secondly, uh, many people understand this, but some don't, RSP withdrawals are taxable. So you got the tax deduction when you put the money in. When you pull that money out, right off the top, there's going to be a withholding tax, maybe it's 20 to 30%, but that might not even be enough. You might find at the end of the year, you think you've done everything right, you pulled out your RSPs, you paid off the debt, and then suddenly the government is coming to you and saying, well, we need a whole lot more tax on those RRSP funds. And then now, you thought you were stressed when you owed the bank money, imagine when you owe CRA money, how that feels... Um, and folks need to understand, because I think this is why the cash in the RRSPs. They think, well, if I have to file a bankruptcy, I'm going to lose this stuff anyway, so you know, let me at least be in control, you know, uh, control my own destiny. And the number one thing for people to know is RRSPs are 100% protected. If you file for bankruptcy, if you have whatever amount of money in RRSPs, you know, as long as you haven't thrown in a ton of money in the year prior to you filing for bankruptcy, which usually is not the case, but anything that's been there for more than 12 months is 100% protected. Nobody can ever force you to cash in those funds. It's not going to require you to pay more into your bankruptcy. You could deal with the debt still saves your retirement out the other side, and that's the outcome I, I wish more people could achieve rather than having cashed in their RRSPs. Often they end up with a tax bill. It's not enough to clear the debt. They might end up in my office anyway. And it's what a night and day situation to finishing a bankruptcy and still having your retirement intact to finishing a bankruptcy and then starting to save again.
0: Excellent. Um, the, next, the next part of what we were going to talk about has been relying on debt as a debt solution. Can you really explain that? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, well, what a lot of people try to do as a first step when you find yourself in debt is kind of to borrow your way out of it. So to say, okay, I've got all this debt, I've got it at, you know, 19 or 29 or more percent interest, why don't I get a consolidation loan, ideally to be one single payment, which will simplify things for me, and hopefully it's going to be a much lower interest rate, maybe something closer to 10 or 12 percent, not the 20 or 30 percent they might be paying. So it sounds great in theory, and it can work well, uh, but quite often what people run into is they're not able to qualify. For consolidation loan, unless they're compelled to make some really poor financial decisions for them that put the bank in a much better position than they would have been in otherwise. And these are things like using an asset as a collateral. So maybe pledging a house or a car or a secured investment or something like that. You've now allowed a creditor. If you don't pay, you've given them a direct line to take an asset from you. Whereas if you hadn't pledged that asset, they would have a much tougher time. You might be able to take steps to protect yourself. But if you granted security for something that you again, I see this often with a vehicle. People have a paid-off vehicle. They get a consolidation loan. They pledge their car as collateral. And then sometimes the terms of these loans are if you miss a few payments, two or three payments, we take your car, we put it in storage until you pay the loan off, and we charge you 30 to $50 a night in storage fees, which essentially means we're taking your car and you're not getting it back. So it can be very, um, you know, just an incredibly bad outcome if you pledge an asset as collateral. But also what can be even worse is starting to bring in cosigners. So starting to say, you know, the bank's to give me this loan, but I need mom, dad, brother, sister, or a friend or someone to sign on the dotted line to be responsible. You've now just enlarged that debt problem to include people that you love and that love you and want to help you. But if you need to restructure your debts in the, per- in the future, like doing a proposal or perhaps a bankruptcy, whoever has co signed those debts is going to be left 100% responsible for those debts. So, my impression, my, my advice is it's never worth getting a consolidation loan if you have to pledge an asset or pledge a co signer. It almost always is going to lead to a bad outcome.
0: And we're inundated, and we just have a few seconds left, but inundated with ads telling us who to go to to get the help. And, and clearly, somebody like yourself, a licensed insolvency trustee, is the best place to go to get help with debt
1: absolutely, Elaine. We're the only people that are licensed by the federal government to actually help you legally restructure your debt, and it costs nothing to meet with us. It's a free confidential consultation. You'll meet with me or a member of my team. Guaranteed you're going to learn more and feel better at the end of the consultation and not going to cost you anything.
0: And here's the phone number. It's 1-800-661-3030. Or you can visit the website, make an appointment through there, sans-trustee.com. Credit card debt. It's one of those things that we all have, or at least we know of. And in this segment on dollars and cents with Blair Mountain from Sands & Associates, we're going to talk about credit card debt and strategies to pay off your credit cards uh, and like what you can do to get a handle on credit card balances and pay off your credit card bill and all of that. Uh so Blair is going to share some methods for paying down credit card debt and the professional resources available to you and me in order to do this. So there's lots of warning signs out there. What are you what are your top warning signs Blair for for somebody when it comes to credit card debt? What are the things that we all should be aware of?
1: Yeah, there's a number of them, Elaine, and you know, first off, credit card debt is almost present on every single insolvency I've ever done. So it's just ubiquitous in the world of personal finance. Um, As you said, you know, most people either have a credit card or have used one or want one or so on and so forth. And a lot of the times, you know, we're being driven towards electronic payments. You know, if you're taking a flight, there's no cash anymore. You have to use a credit card typically. Uh, What's interesting from our perspective is that we know the majority of debt problems, they're kicked off or they're contributed to by things outside of a person's immediate Control. So sometimes it's a job disruption, a marital breakdown, an illness. Uh, these are some examples of challenges. And although just about any debt could turn into a problem, credit card debt in particular is often very difficult to manage well. As we survey our clients, credit card debt is five times more likely to be their primary uh, financial issue than the next highest type of debt. So it really is that dominant. And the challenge um, is that it's so easily accessible that if some when someone hits uh, you know a life event that can interrupt their finances, um, they often turn to a credit card to fill a gap. I ask listeners to consider, you know, if you faced a sudden drop of income, even for just two or three months, how would you pay your bills or your household costs? And, you know, the best answer is, well, I've got an emergency fund that I've set aside, but uh, probably a lot of people would say, well, I haven't been able to save that emergency fund, so what would happen is I would have to rely on credit. Um, And then what you would be doing then is be getting into a cycle of interest, because the challenge with credit cards is it's very easily accessible finance but it's also very expensive financing. So in typ- typically the warning signs that we see is if you're carrying a balance month to month on your credit card, just never goes away, you never pay it off, Uh, If you're using your credit card for cash advances, so not only is it very expensive financing with cash advances, the expense starts the moment that you withdraw the money, not the same as a purchase where you at least have a little bit of a grace period of a few weeks. Um, If you find your balance keeps getting bigger, so every every month, um, you know, this higher balance, even though you're making payments on it, uh, if you're only making the minimum payment required, or even just a little bit more than, If you're using payday loans or fast cash installment loans, those are huge warning signs uh, that, you know, you're getting even even into higher risk financing. Uh, And then finally, if you're generally feeling stressed about your credit card balances, if maybe you've stopped opening the mail or just glance at it quickly, you look at the minimum, you pay the minimum and that's that, um, those are all pretty big warning signs that your credit card debt is starting to get out of control. And the longer it goes like this, the more money you're going to be required to pay in interest and the further you're going to be away from actually saving some Money in a better financial situation.
0: I I got a little bit of um, relief when you said that it's for the, uh, credit card debt or credit uh, an issue with credit cards is often on everybody's list of things when they come to see you. So uh, my message is you're not alone. You're not alone if credit card debt is. Uh, worrying and, and stressful for you. You're not alone. Everybody's having to deal with it sometime or another. Um, and the best step, of course, is to, to take to get in touch with somebody from Sands Associates and Associates and see how manageable it is or how out of control it is. And then be able to take those steps uh, sooner rather than later. And I'll just mention the website at sands-trustee.com and the phone number, if you'd like to make that um, uh, you know, ask a few more questions, get an appointment and be able to sit down with somebody is one 800 I know you often talk about budgets are really important. Um, Blair, I'm just wondering once a budget is established, what actions can people take to get credit card debt back under control?
1: Yeah, so the budget is really important because if you have debt, you need to understand why did that debt arise, and if we can point to, you know, a specific event, okay, good, but sometimes it's just there's an inappropriate budget. There's more expenses than income, and every month the credit card debt is going up because of that, so it's imperative to understand the why about the debt and to get that budget established, as you mentioned, Elaine, but once that happens, there's a number of strategies that you can take to try to, to bring down that credit card balance. Some of them make a whole of sense that the balances are small, and you can kind of do it yourself. Um, others, you definitely need some financial help. So starting on kind of the self-directed or do-it-yourself approach, a couple ways you come at it. So um, there's two main approaches if you're going to try to figure out, um, you know, which which debt to pay off first. So typically the one that we generally recommend is you start off by making a list of all of your current debts and your balances and what the payments are due and how much the pay- w- sorry when the payments are due and how much they are and then you decide what makes sense to pay off first and the way you make that choice is generally and what we recommend is pay out the debt with the highest interest first so you're mitigating your accumulating interest charges so make all the minimum payments but then any extra money you have in your budget and hopefully there is some put all of that towards the card with the highest balance um, until that card is paid off and then move down the list. So start with your 29% card, then go to your 22 to your 19%, um, so on and so forth. So that's generally your smartest financial way to come at credit card debt. Uh, it can work if there's kind of small balances spread over a few cards. Um, sometimes it can be a little more psychologically motivating to actually try to pay off your smaller balances first. So even though they might not be your highest interest, just saying, okay, I had five credit cards three months ago, now I've got three, I paid off two, even though they weren't your highest interest. There can be some momentum that you build that way. So the do-it-yourself approach just consists of you know really laying out on a sheet of paper what are the terms, what are the interest rates, and trying to allocate as much of your payments as possible um, to save some money. And then what's important, is if you start to bring that credit card down, is not to let to go back up. So you might want to take some steps like using a secured credit card instead of a regular credit card. This is where you put a deposit on the card and you can't spend more than the deposit, so you're never going to have a debt. If you miss a payment, you just use your deposit to pay the balance. So you're definitely not going to get in trouble there. Uh, you might want to have a cash-only spending rule for yourself or even certain days in the week. You know, I only get to use cash on these days, for example. Uh, you might want to talk with your creditors about lowering the interest rate. So if you've been a very reliable consumer, um, you could definitely call them and say, yeah, I'm trying to pay these debts down. I'd like you to help me as well. You can sometimes be surprised on what you might be able to access. Not in every situation, of course. i had people say, you know, the bank um, thought that, you know, three eyes when I called them and said I wanted an interest rate reduction. But for the most part, it's something that you can have a productive discussion with as long as you've been a reliable consumer. Um, and then, I would generally recommend simplifying things. So if you had a bunch of accounts and you paid them off, you know, in general, to have a good credit rating, you need about two to three things reporting on your credit. You don't need five or seven. So if you have a bunch of accounts, I would say close off ones when you've paid them off and just keep the few accounts that you actually need. So for someone who doesn't have a huge credit card balance, that can be a good approach. But in a lot of cases, the credit card balance is so high that trying to make more than the minimum payments just isn't sustainable or possible.
0: Right. And that's where a licensed insolvency trustee can really come to the rescue in terms of helping you figure out uh, the credit card debt and how to approach it. And let's just spend the last minute and a half or so talking about about what you, what you do as a licensed insolvency trustee.
1: Exactly. So what I do is I meet with individuals when they come in, they've got a huge amount of credit card debt and we look at all of their options. And often the best option they could pursue is a consumer proposal where they consolidate all of the debt, eliminate the interest and pay back what they can afford. I've got one quick example to discuss here of a proposal we recently filed. So in this case, the individual had $40,000 in credit card and other debt, some payday loans, some installment lenders, so some really high interest stuff. Uh, and we we able to file a consumer proposal that reduced the debt down to $9,600, so just under a quarter of the debt, and the person paid $200 a month over a 48-month period. So those interest charges that were killing them, they went to zero. That principle where they thought they'd have to pay back $40,000 in total, that principal was reduced down to under $10,000. So that's exactly what a consumer proposal can do. If you have the means to pay back the debt in full, well, of course, you you should do so. But for a lot of people that I see, they don't have the means. They're just treading water, making interest-only payments. A proposal basically flips the script completely and gives you a plan to become debt-free.
0: And I think it's so important just to remind folks, Blair, that only a licensed insolvency trustee has the ability uh, to deal with this at this level for folks.
1: Yeah, I think there's two really important things. So only a trustee can help you with the proposal, and it costs nothing to meet with a trustee. It costs nothing to get a consumer proposal filed. And when I say this person had $40,000 in debt and paid back 9600 that's including every single fee. There's nothing additional the person is charged. So it's a really remarkable solution.
0: So sans-trustee.com is the website. Their phone number is 1-800-661-3030. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. This segment's all all about shopping around for a debt solution and all the different options that are out there these days. If you're looking for a debt solution to either help you pay off or write off a debt, there's a lot of different things that you can consider. And Blair is such a great guy to talk about this, talk about great tips and key points of consideration uh, if this is the situation that you're in. So before we get into the hows and the twos and the tips, Blair, can you talk a little bit about when it's a good idea for a person to consider getting more of a strategy or or outside help uh, with their debt?
1: Yeah, certainly, Elaine. So, you know, finances are obviously a really important component of our life, but sometimes it's the case, you know, you really don't evaluate things unless there's a big Linking red light right in front of you saying, you know, caution, danger, so on and so forth. And it's, some, it's the case that, you know, you should periodically check in with your finances and just see how you're feeling on a regular basis. I would encourage, you know, at least every month or at least, you know, a few times a year just to sit down and look at where you're sitting uh, with your assets, your debts and your income on a monthly basis. And try to think if you're experiencing things like you're feeling stressed, you're anxious, or you're constantly thinking about your debt. So is debt starting to consume your day-to-day, starting to take up a lot of your mental energy? Um, Consider your credit score. Is it taking some hits now because you've got some large debts, you know, you're off near your credit limits um, or your debts are starting to exceed what would be an appropriate amount based on your income. Um, Start to look at are you carrying some high risk debts and high risk would be things like a payday loan or a government debt. Payday loans are high risk because they're exceptionally expensive, high interest costs. And government debts are high risk because the government's got the strongest means of collecting at very little uh, notice to you. So it's something that you really can't ignore. Um, and then sometimes it's just the case of are you only able to make your minimum payments? Looking on the long term, you realize all you're going to be doing is paying tons of interest on this debt and not being able to, ch- to save money or to actually bring the balances down over time. And that's not the best thing for overall financial health. So you really need to think, am I feeling stressed about my debt? Is it taking up a lot of my energy? And do I have a clear roadmap that I can see to pay off the debts, you know, using exactly what I'm doing, my existing income, without you know seeking to reduce the balances or do anything different?
0: I love this next piece, Blair, just because, and you've said it before in other segments that we've done, that if you think you need help, Or it feels like you need help or suspect that you need that you have a debt problem and you need some help. You probably do. And I just love that idea that you're empowering people to to really take action and 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 think about their own situation and then get on it and then take some action and do something about it
1: exactly yeah if you, if you feel like you have a debt problem you know odds are you've had one for a while and you know now it's come to the front of your mind and you know if your creditors are threatening to take legal action against you if you've got the government debt we're talking about there's just a bunch of debts and you're not able to consolidate them all or you just don't feel confident you know all of those things would mean that you'd really benefit from coming in sitting down with a licensed insolvency trustee and the options we're going to explain to you are not going to include just the things a trustee can help you with we're going to look at every potential option which might include something as simple well let's see if you can Consolidate this debt together and they'll see if that's the best option for you.
0: I like that you've got some key points on, on what on what you need to do to sort of take stock of your situation.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got to be really careful when you research your options um, that you really you turn over all the stones. You look up who you're dealing with and, you know, what are their qualifications. And be careful for high-pressure sales tactics. So, you know, quite often the harder you're being pushed to sign something or move forward on something, the better deal it is for the person that's pushing you and the worse deal it is for you. Uh, you know, make sure you can actually afford any payments that you're agreeing to. So if you're going to do a debt consolidation, take out a new loan to pay everything off, you now is that going to be affordable or are you just buying yourself an obligation you're not going to be able to satisfy? Um, and make sure you understand all the terms of your agreement. So if your strategy to get out of debt is you're going to consolidate debt but get a cosigner, well, realize now that you've made this debt problem, you've doubled it in size and now there's two people that are involved in it and if things don't go according to plan, you might be having a detrimental impact than someone that, you know, just put their name forward to help you, never expecting they might be held accountable to pay off the consolidated debt.
0: Yeah. The other thing I want to mention, too, is if, if it sounds like we're already talking about you or someone you know very well and uh, you want to w- want to get some help or help them get some help, it's so easy to do. Just go to the website for Sands and Associates at sands trusteecom and give them a call at 1-800-661-3030 and set up that first consultation and sit down and really look at your situation and what you can and what you can do about it. Blair, um, can you talk about the other points to be aware of when it comes to debt consolidation? Because I feel like that's kind of one of the first things that people uh, think about trying to do on their own, or is it?
1: No, absolutely. Debt consolidation is almost the first point where people start. And it makes sense. And what we mean by debt consolidation is instead of having five or six different creditors that you owe money to at different interest rates, you put it all together into one account and you generally pay a reduced interest rate. In some cases, you pay no interest rate. So debt consolidation can take on a number of forms. What most people think about when they're talking about debt consolidation is a basic consolidation loan. And what that means is a bank or a credit union or a finance company, they provide you with the funds to pay off all of your other debts. And then now you owe that new company, the combined balance, but hopefully at a lower interest rate. That's what most people think about. Now, you could also do a home equity consolidation loan, which is quite popular in BC these days, With a lot of people having a lot of equity. You can draw out some of the equity in your home, sometimes called taking a second mortgage. Um, Generally, it's going to be at a pretty low interest rate, and you use that money to pay off all the debt that's been consolidated together. Um, and then you could also do uh, what's considered a balance transfer, where if you've got a card that has a bunch of room on it. Sometimes they'll give you a promotion. You can transfer rates over at a low rate, but be very aware there's often transaction costs. It can be one to even up to 3% of the total amount that you're transferring over. So, you know, make sure the numbers do make sense if you're going to be borrowing to do a consolidation.
0: Now, uh, the one thing that we haven't talked about in this segment uh, is the whole concept of being able to consolidate your, your uh, debt without borrowing, and, and this is a great opportunity, mm-hmm. I think, to talk about that.
1: Yeah, and that's what I think most people don't understand about debt consolidation is there's a lot of different ways to come at it and you don't have to borrow. So two ways that you can still consolidate your debt without borrowing. One is to consider working with a credit counselor. What they are generally able to do if it's standard, you know, credit cards, consumer debt, things like that with the major banks, they'll be able to consolidate your debts together, save you all the future interest and give you up to five years to pay off that balance in full. So it doesn't reduce your debts at all, but at least it stops you from getting further and further uh, behind the eight ball with the interest charges each month. But you are going to pay some fees on top of that. The fees could be upwards of 15 to even 30 percent of the amount that you're consolidating. So in, in lieu of interest, you are still going to pay some fees. Now, one of the best ways to consolidate debt without borrowing. I know I'm biased as being a licensed insolvency trustee, but literally making people aware of consumer proposals is why I became a trustee, uh, because I just think it's such an outstanding um, option for people to consider. And with a consumer proposal, all your debts are consolidated together, but it's not a question of you paying back 100% of the debt plus interest. It's a question of what can you reasonably afford to repay. And quite often that's in the range of 30 to 50 cents in the dollar, sometimes lower, sometimes higher, but it's almost always less than the full amount. And by law, you're not charged another dollar of interest. And also, by law, all of the costs of that proceeding are borne by your creditors. You don't pay anything extra beyond what you can afford to repay on the debt. So it's just a huge difference. If someone had $20,000 and they tried to do a consolidation loan, they'd be paying about $635 a month for three years, and that would be at a 9% interest, which is pretty good for a consolidation loan. If they did a consumer proposal... So let's say they offered to pay off 40% of the debt, the monthly payment would be $220 over three years. So literally less than a third of what they would be paying uh, if they had to do a borrowing consolidation. So a consumer proposal can be affordable or other options just aren't affordable.
0: And I I gotta say that the the folks at Sands and Associates all over the province and all of their offices so knowledgeable and there there's so many good uh, options for you in terms of how you go about looking after your debt situation. Uh, there's uh, financial counseling available. They'll sit down with you, go through everything, walk you through the process uh, in just a really thoughtful way. And uh, also, if you want to take a first step before doing that, and just go to their website and check out all the good information that's there. There's so many good questions and answers uh, that you can read through and, and may help you make that decision. It's sands trusteecom or you can give them a call 1-800-661-3030 and get that first free consultation uh, and a sit down and find an office uh, near you regardless of where you are in British Columbia. Uh, chances are very good there's an office near you. You've been listening to Dollars and Cents. See you next time.